0: Investigative reporter Chris Halstead. And this is a special supplement to interview with Evil Ted Bundy's FBI confessions. This is your chance to listen to the raw audio recordings of Ted Bundy talking with FBI profiler William Bill Hegmeier and former King County Washington Homicide Detective Bob Keppel. The pair interviewed Bundy a few days before the state of Florida put the serial killer to death in the electric chair on January 24, 1989. They spoke for about four hours in total. Bundy spends the majority of the time pleading with investigators to postpone his death sentence. His arguments were sound and manipulative, but didn't ultimately do him any good. This series of cassette tapes has been used at the FBI's training unit in Quantico, Virginia. The FBI, for the record, denied me copies of this, as did the King County Sheriff's Department. But another law enforcement source agreed to hand them over for the sake of history. Yes, on these tapes, Bundy confesses to 11 murders in Washington state and alludes to having a hand in the killing of women in other states. He was never much on sharing details of his crimes. So in that regard, his detailed recollection of how he stalked, killed, raped, and mutilated University of Washington student Georgianne Hawkins is intriguing in the most morbid and grotesque way. As part of the first podcast, I tried to let Bundy's most important storytelling play out without too many edits. But to be honest, I needed to do some storytelling of my own. I'm not sure if the style was successful, or if there was enough new material about Bundy to make it interesting to serial killing buffs like myself. As always, listeners will be the judge. However, I thought as an investigative journalist for the past 30 plus years, why not let everyone hear the raw recordings? I'm just going to let them play. I might boost the audio if it's unhearable. That's it. I'll release a series of these raw clips in between my finished segments of analysis until they are all in the public domain. Before we get going, I have to share something really cool that's happening with these raw recordings. They will be embedded inside an immersive true crime experience. A group of augmented reality designers are launching a new app called Crime Door this week. It'll feature the Georgian Hawkins case. Here's how Crime Door works. Download the app from Google Play or the Apple App Store. Then you can literally walk into the kidnapping crime scene on your phone or iPad. And it's not only that you get to look around in every direction, but you can move through the scene. You can look inside Bundy's Volkswagen Bug, which is modified to help him hide a body. You are right there with Bundy while he's holding his deadly crowbar over one of his first victims. Part of this experience is allowing you to review key pieces of evidence as well, like the handcuffs Bundy used to keep his victims from biting back if they woke up. Here Bundy describing in vivid detail exactly how he lured Hawkins to his VW Bug in that dark dirt parking lot near the University of Washington. These AR creators are profiling all sorts of unsolved murders to raise awareness, help law enforcement, and promote amateur detective work. Catching killers in cold case crimes is the ultimate goal, no matter how many years the crimes have gone unsolved. Download Crime Door today.
1: I got a message for you. Remind me to give it to you when you leave.
2: It's a telephone call I want you to make
1: after you leave here.
2: Uh, Attorney General's Office, Idaho. Okay, how do I expect us to proceed? Well, this is what I hope we can uh, together uh, work on, you know. I think what I need to do is tell you what's going on well, for me in terms of the practical day-to-day stuff, and I mean hour-to-hour stuff, the pressures I'm under, the limitations you might say. is you can understand, that, that you know, I'm sure you appreciate that this phase two death watch it obviously puts us under some kind of constraints. But I think we can uh, we can get started. Uh, what we need to what I need to do is just like I say how to proceed and I uh, first thing I have on my list is uh, talk about the importance of at this at this stage of uh, that we have an agreement of confidentiality that, we, that, that I certainly won't make any statements about this meeting that, that Diana won't that none of us do until you know certainly we we're much further down the road. Too much has been said already, you know, know, that's killing us. Now, what kind of
1: a confidentiality might the time be talking about? Are you talking about some other local law
2: enforcement agencies? Well, well, we're talking about our meeting here today, um, let's say through Monday, Mm -hmm. and that we have an understanding that uh, any any statements you make to the public that, uh, that any of us make to the public, we will um, we will advise the other the other party that we're going to make any kind of statements. Sure. No okay.
1: My policies at this point was I wasn't
2: making any. Decisions. No, nothing whatsoever. And you you certainly have um, uh, my word on it. And I, as you know, I have not spoken to the press and, and do not, well, I'm not saying I will not intend to, but I'm not going to talk about this meeting. I don't know if I'm going to say anything or or what I'm going to say. It probably depends a lot on what things look like Monday. Uh, but I certainly would not disclose anything that you, uh, we had an understanding specifically that I was not to disclose. Uh, well. I'll go with what I have. I mean, I'm the chronic milk taker. Well, I'm looking for us to find a way that we can reach the point where I can start to talk about some things. Okay, my My feeling is, and I want the react your reaction and Bill's reaction to this, but it's it's my feeling, and it's it's I think it, it it's not unrealistic to say that I simply don't have enough time to tell you or anybody else all that I that I know and need to tell you in the next two or three days, which is basically what we're looking at. I mean, I might as well give you right up front. You know how i how i see this in terms of my participation i mean i'm i'm at the point where you know you might say I mean, i'm at the point finally where i see that i'm going to have to tell you and, and others everything that i know with regard to so-called unsolved cases okay. now you can look at it look at it uh, pessimistically or skeptically or whatever, but the fact is I'm at that point, and it's it's an uncomfortable position. I may have obviously waited too long, but I'm here, and we're here. So we've got to work with what we've got. On the other hand, my position is for it to be a benefit, truly a benefit to you and, and law enforcement and social scientists, I've got to tell you the whole truth and nothing, nothing more, nothing less. Certainly nothing less. And... Um, Bill knows, uh, you know, Bill's familiar. You're familiar with the FBI studies uh, on, 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 on serial murder and how important it is to get the antecedent behaviors and all that background stuff. Put it all together in the context of hardcore data. And I think it's a, what I'm after is a, a total understanding here. Now I realize people are very skeptical of me and perhaps skeptical of my intentions, and they have good reason to be. I guess I mean, it's you know, uh, you can look at me as a hypocrite at this point that I've waited so long, but the fact is, better late than never, we're at the point where something can be done. And I understand also that I'm in a position where I can't call the shots, And we'll, but I I think the main stumbling block here is that a lot of people, certainly maybe the most important person under these circumstances, Martinez, is not does not believe him sincere. Uh, and... Uh, and perhaps one thing that might get things moving is to, I believe, is for me to give you or to give some law enforcement officer a uh, hardcore, tangible, unimpeachable revelation, Okay. which I have never done before, Okay, to a law enforcement officer or to anyone else for that matter. I mean, I'm the only one in possession of this information. That's just the way it is. So I think that demonstration alone would be uh, evidence of my sincerity because it's a big step. Um, And we'll talk about why, if you want, why it's a big step for me and then that goes into why I've waited so long to talk about it. Uh, I mean, among other things, as you can imagine, it's not easy to talk about. I had selfish motivations, legal motivations, family motivations, any number of things. But the fact of the matter is, um, I think, obviously, it's now or never. Well. We either we either convince the right people it's now or never, and that we to do a proper job for everybody. We're gonna. I'm gonna need some time. Now, I'm saying you have to do it, but uh, those people want to know about what I've done. Um, uh, I think should be interested whether or not I have a chance to to tell it. And I'm not talking about the clemency, I'm not talking about weekend furloughs, you know. I'm not talking about uh, anything unusual except to give us a, a, a reasonable period of time uh, for law enforcement to have a systematic and deliberate, um, make a systematic and deliberate attempt to, uh, to know everything I, that... That I have to uh, to tell them and make use of it both in specifically in solving cases finding remains and in, in the, the more general aspects of the kinds of things that bill's uh, unit works with i mean in, in the overall understanding to prevention detection that kind of stuff, but off the top obviously it's uh, it's the individual cases uh, i mean the that uh, that you, I'm sure, and other law enforcement people are most interested in. Okay, I'm, I'm just rambling on here. I, uh, uh, just break in any time, and, and because I know that uh, I'm sure that you, over the years you have uh, uh, developed some sort of feelings of insight, or uh, to say the least, and some maybe even some animosity that you'd like to get off your chest. <laughs> but uh, we need to talk very frankly here.
1: I think the most frank thing that I can say is that I'm Okay. I have no idea. I've got some ideas about scope. Mm. And frankly, only represent to say once. Oh, I know. Uh, whatever other people do uh, or say, I can't have any control. I have the support of all the wonderful agencies in our space. And I have the information I look more as a facilitator than you. Once before, we talked in generalities about how this has come about, Is out, mm-hmm. that I could provide some of the detailed facts about things that may not be so prominent in your mind, and you could probably fill in with the other blanks that I don't have. But I need to have an idea of scope in the state of Washington, in time frame. is it better to start backwards before? forward?
2: They might wish that way anyway, but uh, I think that the, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I, I'm following you there. I, I do know that, for instance, that Mike Fisher is scheduled to come in tomorrow, and he's a, uh, he's been around, uh, waiting in the wings, uh, if you will. Hmm? Oh yeah, excuse me. I know. Oh, I'm okay. All right. I, I don't want to get. I don't want to drag you into other things, but. Uh.
1: I need to know that uh, we talk
2: about it. It's great. Well, exclude who in Washington State? I would. Oh no, no, no. But uh, we just can't get any everybody in here in in the next two three days. Uh, So uh, and uh, uh, you know better than I what a good and reliable interrogation consists of. And uh, I think one time you told me you didn't want, when we ever had a chance to talk, you didn't want it to end up like uh, Henry Lucas.
0: <laughs> and
2: believe me, it won't. But uh, which means that you, will, you want to do a, a better job than the Texas State Rangers did. Uh, uh, and so I think that means, to me, what that means, uh, and, I, and, and this is, why I guess, where it counts, is to me that means that we go over things in great detail but not just the incident itself, ultimately, whether it's to you or to somebody else, because basically it all began in Washington State, that is, that's where I was living, that's where I grew up as a kid, and that's where I really grew up as a young man, and, and those kinds of uh, images, impulses, and behaviors which ultimately led to the violent behavior you know, occurred, if you will, in Washington State, That the kind of uh, broad understanding that I'm looking for is uh, going to come, you know, uh, during those years I lived in Washington State. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I guess from your standpoint, it was Washington, basically Washington State, where those first crimes, incidences, murders that took place. Um, but uh, you know, yes, I I want I won't exclude anybody, but more, more importantly, I want to make a graphic uh, demonstration here that, in some way to show uh, my seriousness to you. You can convey it to others in Washington or, or whoever might ask you uh, confidentially uh, what you think. Um, we haven't had a lot of contact in the past. We wrote some and we met a couple times and um, we talked generally. I never gave, but I don't think everybody Promised you that I do something that I haven't done. Uh, not, and I'm not trying to come off as the honorable kind of guy, but I mean, this is where we are. I mean, uh, uh, I've got to be able to convince you and others of my sincerity mm-hmm. and my uh, my resolve.
1: Well, I'm the one too that can follow up. That's my guarantee to you, then, hearing what you have to say going home, if they ever get it, ain't good enough. You've got to see if you can find the evidence, if you can find information that corroborates everything you said, and we might even have to do a little bit of that in the next two or three days.
2: Well, I hear you. I hear you, yes. Well, I have no, well, I mean, uh, well, you're talking about, I think, what, what you're saying, Bob, is that, uh, if I hear you, you, you need information from me to, that, uh, as they say in the papers, that only the police and the perpetrator may have known, or is that what you're saying? Yeah.
1: It doesn't do me have, to oh, yeah, have information I've, of
2: only what you know. Well, yeah. <laughs>
1: And I'm not so sure how much is left, frankly. Uh, you
2: could probably enlighten me. Well, it depends. Yeah. It depends on a lot of things. Uh, it depends on, you know, well, you've, you worked out there, you know what the crime scenes are. It depends on uh, construction sites and highways and uh, animals and all that stuff. But to uh, be quite candid with you, uh, there, there are a number, I'm sure, that are quite well in place. Well,
1: the most... Uh, the most recent is probably the best, I guess, my mind wants you be on the the most recent cases.
2: In Washington.
1: Yeah. We have... Uh, I've got all your traveling records, which you probably don't want me to too. We've come back a couple of times. But as far as bodies go, that we have found as late as August of 74.
2: Uh, I think I know what you're talking about uh, do I agree with that date August of 74 well first of all well I'll, I'll, I'm, you're getting a little bit ahead of me here but I don't mind because I don't I don't want to get picky with you about this call oh, there's a lot of other stuff that I need to let you and Bill know about that's going on but let's just deal with that one for example I mean so, I was talking one of my advisors not long ago and they were saying the information you can give that will exclude you it sometimes maybe just as much important as because you know I'm linked with stuff that it's not real and if I'm mistake, not mistaken that August 74 date refers to a young woman out of uh, the south western part of the state who, was, who disappeared and was found in the past, somewhere, or it remains. I may be completely wrong in this.
1: And what I'm talking about, both there are two skeletons found together in on one plot. August second was the date. One of the girls
2: in the last. Right. Season. Yeah, I've, I'm familiar with it. I mean, I've heard of it. Right. I. That's nothing to do with me.
1: I. I had that feeling, but they wanted me to ask anyway. Right. At the time of your death. Gastro- not down during a certain time, to be eligible for a family or they have a good suspect. Mm-hmm. one is mm-hmm. Technically, if you didn't use your gas pump, uh, you could be an eligible suspect.
2: Right, yeah, that's... Uh... Headed to Salt Lake. Well, sure, yeah. Uh, obviously, the, the gas car, the, the infamous. Well, what, what was it? A Standard Oil, I believe. Yeah. Well, God bless them. Uh, the old paper trail. Uh, no, no, that's that's nothing to do with me. Yeah. So that's 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 a, a step. Uh, that was
1: easy. I thought it fairly easy. Okay. The more difficult ones, however, the ones I know the most about hmm. are the two that are missing on July 14th. Um, however, that particular website site is located from M37. I would kind of like to do is take it by, go from one self-sign location to another rather than trying to do it by victim or by site. It seems to be more of an orientation
2: I are you taking it in that order? Why not? You know, by sight, by chronology. All right. See, I, as this conversation evolves, I think you, you'll have a better idea of where I'm at and what I'm trying to do. Maybe you think you do already. Uh, I will give you, uh, we can talk about, and we'll talk about today, some of that. Uh, there's there's so much you know there's a lot going on there obviously a lot more that we would like to tell you than about dump sites uh, you know, um but that's certainly one place in a very uh, uh, obvious place to begin and i have no problem with that but i want to know from with right now what i want to know from you is what are you going what are you going to do with this, assuming I tell you it? I mean, i not assuming. What would you do with this today or tomorrow? I tell you what I know about Issaquah. Okay, what, what do you do?
1: What I do is, uh, number one, it gives me an idea of how credible and frank gonna be as such mm-hmm. Every law enforcement officer,
2: out there looks at me for, you know, if
1: it's going to be bolstered I hear you. I know. You know, the guys that follow me in here are going to be asking me this. And I would just like to be able to say, hey, you're
2: as light as anything. I just don't, you know, here's my concern, is that we're not, I know probably when you telling others about this, that's, that's probably part of the, the, the idea, but uh, uh, what I'm concerned is this stuff getting the news media, Bundy's telling everybody everything, at this point, I mean, today or tomorrow or Sunday, too prematurely to uh, start, this, again, uh, fueling the controversy which is already out of hand. I am not saying anything. Okay. All right. Well, let's just do one here. I mean, let's start. Obviously, we got to start somewhere. And I think it might, we might, it's a long shot, it's a pretty long shot, that you might be able to get something out of it. At least some of that so-called tangible uh, evidence that might be of some value not only to you but to others. And maybe a bit of information, even if you don't find anything else, that might be of some value to families. Okay. So we'll do, I understand that uh, at the cross site, which I could describe to you uh, would describe to you if you want there were three uh, remains of three individuals found two identified and one not because of the the uh, so few the kinds of remains that were found were so few and unidentifiable okay what do you want uh, where this description of the site first how do you get there I mean, you just don't, you just don't make this up, right? Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the old Highway 90, I understand, which is no longer there. Well, I mean, not like it used to be. It's a, but at that time when you were coming up from Issaquah, you went from a basically a freeway, you rose up out of Issaquah into the foothills, and you and you rounded a bend, and it turned into the old 90 off of a freeway, and uh, about a mile and a half, two miles beyond that bend. This is 20-year-old, 15-year-old stuff, of uh, Bob, so be mindful of it. Uh, this is not a divided highway at that time, so you could turn clear across the highway. You could make a left-hand turn. Going east, you could turn clear across the highway on the risk of getting a ticket, I suppose, and go, uh, go north across the highway and turn across on any side road. So if you drove north, if I was to drive north up and going east on 90, but mile, let's say, more or less up that stretch of road, there's a, a, a kind of a, used to be a uh, what's it called an access road? Not an access road, it's not the word I'm looking for. It's a, a side road, small dirt side road. You would turn left going east, you would enter the side road. Go across a ravine or over a ravine that was between the side road and the highway, and turn sort of go left again and go back down toward Issaquah on the side road. Pass underneath some at the time utility uh, or uh, power transmission lines. Were there creek was there was a creek down in the ravine between 90 and the side road. This little dirt side road, <laughs> maybe half a mile, quarter of a mile down this. Uh, Little side road, if you turn, if you kept on flying all the way down, it would join 90 again. But if you turned just about the time it reached 90 again, you, there's another little dirt road that went up the hill, crossed some railroad tracks, wound up the side of the hill. Just on the other side of the railroad tracks, about 20 yards up, there's a little grassy area. And some, and, you know, some scrub growth. Old uh, alders, and what have you. little a uh, little uh, path that ran parallel to the railroad tracks and then up into the woods, The so running sort of uh, west. Dirt road went past this grassy area I just mentioned and and went up the hill. Maybe I uh, maybe went up a half a mile. Sort of meandered up the side of this hill hilly area. Also in the area maybe. Uh, 50 yards to the east, down into another ravine, was an old abandoned cabin. Ring a bell? Okay. Well. um, So... Lord knows what, what the little creatures up there did, what the animals would have done, but I think... Well, let's, uh, let me start with one. Let me start this way. Um, the unidentified remains. Uh, um, this is where I'm a little bit... Uh, the presence of the officers down here is a little bit unnerving. Uh, some of it, some of this stuff I don't mind talking about but because they wouldn't know it from Adam. But I, but names I will, I can write it down, or I can whisper it to you, or whatever. I just don't want the police getting any kind of names at this point. Yeah, yeah, and then I'll just write the name down for you. All right. Uh, Did you say? This this is the name that I just wrote down was George Ann Hawkins. Um, up that dirt road. beyond the grassy area. I'll try to trace it here on a piece of paper. How about that? That might help a little. I'm working from some pretty old memories. Well, let's do it this way. Here's the grassy area. Here's the road coming up. This, trees, to the north, northwest of this grassy area. Okay. Oh, yeah, great. Let me try to orient myself here.
1: The only reason we have this picture is there's a big suit over this property going on. They took this picture
2: on March twentieth, seventy four. Yeah. Is it still uh, relatively undisturbed? Yeah.
1: That's March uh, well, no. About right here, the railroad track is gone the freeway. Right about where the railroad track
2: is. In their construction, how uh, did they they disturb up the hillside much?
1: Or some that well,
2: uh, I'm trying to find, I mean, let me try to pinpoint here something it's, it's a little bit harder, you know, not having seen it. I think what I'm talking to you about is that, well, it's hard to pinpoint, it's what I need to do. Uh, I could show you what I mean by that area, I think.
1: Right in
2: here? Yeah. Now, up. You stop and I tell you, go up, the, go up the road, keep going. Right about there, more or less, in about 10 yards.
1: Now, was that a flat area? Or
2: was no, it's it's rocky,
1: very hilly. Okay, because as you go up into about this area you come up the hill, where you can drive a car and get off the road, you remember where that was?
2: I don't know, because I, I, see, Back to the grassy area. Mm -hmm. I I would park there and walked up. up. Yeah, I never, I didn't drive. So you see, I don't know if you went up that far, but if you know, yeah. I don't, yeah. Okay, well, in that location that I just described. I don't know what what it's like today, but uh, you should find some more of that of. Uh, we can get into details as to why. Yeah, but here you know, this is where I get a little bit antsy. But not about you, but it's just the being overheard with some of this stuff. It gets pretty tough. Um, I can write it down, whisper it. Uh, I have no problem with that. It's just that I'm, I have to draw the line somewhere <laughs> with being overheard uh, at this point. Why don't you pull this
1: mic mean. closer to your mic try that. Yeah, okay. It'll pick you up okay.
2: Alright, uh, do you have a, a meter on this? Is a meter running on it? No. You can't tell where we are on the tape. Well,
1: I can tell because I, I can see.
2: Yeah.
1: Alright.
2: Oh, wait anyway, Let's try something else first. Okay. okay it's running That's what I'm saying. if you Move that over it's close to you. Yeah, I will when I... once. Yeah. Right, but once I get my, i got to get my elbow up here to be able to write to you first. You can read any of this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, if you can't, Diana can, I think. What well, you might try
1: is whispering
2: little... to you? To hear? Well, if you can, can you hear that? I can hear it, yes. Okay. I just wrote, I just said that the Hawkins girls had severed and taken up the road about uh, 25 to 50 yards and buried in a location about 10 yards west of the road on a rocky hillside did you hear that Hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 where is the, uh, the rest of the room? Down. down yeah where the the others were i give you that because i mean we talk, I felt that it might be worthwhile to start there because one that hadn't been discovered before okay that was more or less a question mark uh, to a point, you know, we all know what the suspicions were, but basically, uh, and so those people, uh, the, the, you know, and among other things, the family there might be able to, I don't know if you still even have those separate un- unidentified remains, but in any case, I think that was a uh, good place to start. Instrument. Who? Yeah, but not anything you would have found that I know of. If you'd, uh, you would have found probably you would have found uh, the damage to the head, the jaw in particular, probably broken. But if you'd found that, you would have known who it was. But anyway, I don't know. Is there any reason you asked me that question? Mm -hmm. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I will say this much, no. Well, Wait a minute. Now that's a good question. You know, uh, not similar thing. Uh, you know, n- not exactly. And I don't want to beg the question, but it's different. Uh, certainly not as extensive, I would imagine, in in those two instances as opposed to uh, the Hawkinsville. Uh, that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. See. That you say that word you? Yes. Well, yeah, I can. We can go through it step by step. So a couple days later. Okay. Uh, again, I wasn't specifically prepared uh, to talk about this today, so I'm. I'm I know I'm gonna. I'm just going to give you whatever comes to mind, though. I'm sure that,
1: you know, it's not everything. The talking, can get on to the numbers, i just want to hear what specifically the that happened. To the facts I have are basically Yeah. Tell me about how it's a staging, the time events, what were the circumstances of the time, how you get out there, what was the time period between that stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, let me give it a moment's reflection here. Yeah, I'll uh talk real low to you. You can still hear me? Can you hear me, Bill? You can't? Okay, yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. During, I don't even. I can't remember what day of, I can't remember what night of the week it was. Can you hear me, Diana? Oh, uh, Thursday night, I believe. I don't know. Um, eleven to twelve, probably closer to twelve. o'clock on a uh, warm Seattle. May night, I mean, it was, I think it was clear, weather had been fairly good, uh, I was, uh, at about midnight at a, in the alleyway, uh, behind, like, may have my streets wrong here, but, in an alleyway, did you hear that, mm-hmm. uh, behind, uh, the sorority and fraternity houses that would have been 45th, 46th, 47th 47th, somewhere in there uh, in back of the uh, well in back of the houses across the alley and across the other side of the block there was a the a congregational church I believe and some parking lots in back of the sorority and fraternity houses uh, I was Moving up the alley, uh, using a, uh, a briefcase and some crutches, and the young woman walked down. I saw saw her round the the north end of the block into the alley, and stop for a moment, and then keep on walking down the alley toward me. And about halfway down the block, I encountered her and asked her to help me carry the briefcase, which she did. We walked back up the alley, across the street, turned right on the sidewalk, in front, of I think, the well, fraternity house on the corner there, uh, rounded the corner to the left, going north on 47th. Well, Midway in the block there used to be a you know one of those parking lots they used to make out of burned down houses in that area. The university would turn them into parking lots instant parking lots it was a parking lot there dirt dirt uh um, surface, no lights, and my car was parked there. I just
1: stop that tape.
2: Let's see, we were to the area to the car. We were to the car. All right. Uh, and basically, when I reached the car, what happened was I knocked her, knocked her unconscious with the crowbar.
1: Where do you have that?
2: By the car, All right, outside, outside, and back of the car.
1: Did she see it? No. Okay.
2: No. And then uh, there was some. There was some handcuffs there, along with the crowbar.
1: Along with
2: what? The crowbar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they handcuffed her and put her in the. Drivers, I mean the passenger side of the car, and drove away. Was we'll
1: she alive or
2: dead? Then. Oh, no, no, she was quite con- not, uh, she was unconscious, but she was very much alive. Mm-hmm. Okay. What
1: happened next?
2: Well, wait a minute. Hold it. Uh, it drove. What was that? Drove uh, down the alley uh, to 50th, I believe, Northeast 50th, or what? You know, the, the street going east and west. Turn left. Uh, went to the uh, freeway. 5, is it? <laughs> it's been a long time. Anyway, the freeway. Uh, then went south on the freeway to, uh, to turn off the floating bridge, the uh, that is the old floating bridge, 90. Uh, she was conscious at this time. I mean, she'd regained consciousness at this time, basically. Um, well, there's a lot of incidental things that i uh, just not uh, getting you know, not talking about that uh, because it just uh, that incidental anyway. Uh, went across the bridge, across Mercer Island, uh, east, past Issaquah, up the hill, down the road, and up to the grassy area. How did you get across I 90? When, in, 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 driving eastbound on I 90. Right. Well, you know, that road. Not, not then. There wasn't no, you could like I, like I told you, you could turn. At that time, you could make a left-hand turn, illegal as it may have been, because of a double yellow line. And you, I mean, that was a crazy. I mean, talk about craziness. I mean, if there had been a state patrolman there, he probably arrested me. <laughs> but you know, nevertheless, at that time there was no uh, divider running down the middle of that road at that point. I didn't tell you. I know. I mean, you're right. It would have been pretty damn hard to do it if there was. But all you had to do was just make a an, an illegal left-hand turn all the way across. Well, the the westbound two westbound lanes of 90, and right into that side um, road uh, that ran parallel to
1: 90. What happened to
2: that? Well. parked, took her out of the van and took the handcuffs off her and uh, took, her of what? Took, took her out of the car.
1: And you're driving
2: what? The Volkswagen.
1: Okay, you said van.
2: Did I say, well, no, I didn't. I'm sorry if I, I, didn't, it wasn't a... You
1: know, said something before that was van.
2: Well, okay, well, it wasn't, it was a Volkswagen and... Uh, uh, took her out of the car, and I think I said it took the handcuffs off. Maybe that sounded like Van. Anyway, uh, and, uh, gee, this is probably the hardest part. I don't know. I know, we're talking sort of abstractly before, but, uh, well, we're getting into some. We're getting right down to it, and uh, I, I will talk about it. It's just I hope you understand. It's not something that uh, I find easy to talk about, and uh, after all this time. Oh. One of the things that makes it a little bit... Well, among the things that makes it difficult is that uh, at this point she was quite lucid talking about things. About some... (laughs) It's it's funny, it's it's not funny, but it's odd the kinds of things people say under those circumstances. And she thought, she said that she thought that she had it. Spanish test the next day and she thought that I had taken her to help tune in me for a Spanish test. It's kind of odd. Odd thing to say. Anyway. Long and short of it, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm going to maybe try to make this uh, get there by degrees. Long and short of it was that that I, again, knocked her unconscious and strangled her and drug her into uh, about ten yards into the small grove of trees that was there.
1: What were you drinking with?
2: An old, an old piece, an old piece of rope.
1: old this something you brought there
2: with? Yeah, yeah. something it was in the car.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: then what happened? Then I packed uh, right. the car up. By this time, it was almost dawn. It was just about dawn. The sun was coming up. Mm-hmm. And I went through my usual... I say usual routine, I went through this routine where I was just absolutely, I would go through this, but on this particular morning, I I was just absolutely, again, just shocked, kind of scared to death, shocked, horrified, About and I went down the road throwing everything that I'd had, the briefcase, out the window, throwing the briefcase, the the crutches, the rope, the Tossing about the window, I just had—I just was just—I was in a sheer state of panic, of just absolute horror. You know, uh, it's like at that point in time, consciousness of what has really happened is like you break out of a fever or something. I would, that is, and uh, so I would—I drove north on 90, then uh, northeast on 90. Some point throwing articles out the window as I went, articles of clothing, shoes, etc. When did you remove
1: those? What? This year, clothing.
2: Well, after we got out of the car. Initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I skipped over some stuff there, and we'll have to get back to it sometime. But I don't feel I just it's just too hard for me to talk about right now. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So. What, you remember what clothes
2: she was wearing right now? Yep. Oh. A pair of white patent leather clogs. Blue slacks. Some kind of halter top of which you had a, a shirt tied in a knot. Okay,
1: and these, where were these deposits? The
2: Along the roadside? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, not right along 90. Uh, went east to the infamous Taylor Mountain Road. What's, what highway is that? 18. 18. Turned right, went south again. And at some point, south of Taylor Mountain, a lot of that stuff went out of the car, down the down embankments and what have you. No, yeah, I would stop, pull over the side of the road. It was time. It was, it was pretty light, and just tossed it out. Well, you see, I mean, the, I mean, I didn't. Uh, uh, there were sometimes I would do that, and sometimes it wouldn't. It, it would this. At this point in time, I was so frantic, so panicked, so whatever about what had happened that I was just had to get every reminder of that incident out of the car as as possible. Didn't want to take it home, didn't want to be around. I was just...
1: Did you throw away some of your own stuff?
2: Oh, sure, yeah. I threw away the roof case and, and the crutches and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the crowbar. Everything. The anchors. Everything. I'd get mad at myself. A few weeks later because I'd have to go out and buy another pair. I mean, it's not comical, but that's what would happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, now, just... Uh, Now that you've got a while to think about uh, George Ann Hawkins, is there something you can tell me about her that probably only you know and we know?
2: Well...
1: I mean, the Spanish test is pretty darn good if you ask me.
2: That's what she said, unless she was hallucinating. She said everybody called her George. That's what she said. Or how about that she used a safety pin to p- because apparently her blue slacks were a bit too big? Or uh, that's about all I know. I mean, I, mean, I suppose there's, uh, you know, I'm sure there are bits and pieces that will come back to me, but there wasn't a lot, you know, obviously there wasn't a lot of conversation, but that was. Uh, That's what comes to mind.
0: I'm investigative reporter Chris Halsney, coming up in the next segment of Interview with Evil. While Bundy was sitting on death row, he was secretly helping detectives catch another serial killer, even more prolific than he. Well, first of
2: all, it's no good place. He's trying to dispose of the bodies where they won't be found. This guy doesn't want to get caught. Neither does he want to have his bodies found. I think it's clear that over time, you can see him, at least it would appear is trying to improve the
0: dump sites. We've unearthed another set of rare recordings, hours worth of conversations, between Bundy and lead detectives on the Green River Killer Task Force.
1: I just remember that so vividly, standing there about to shake his hand, and, and when I did and looked into his eyes, it was my first time when I said to myself, and this is, I'm looking into the face
0: of pure evil. How Bundy's insight as an unofficial FBI profiler provided valuable, prophetic information about a mysterious suspect who was actively hunting prostitutes in Seattle.